hey, I just finished reading First Enoch, and I really want to talk about it. So do you want to have that conversation? Dude, why are you always coming with this weird stuff? It's not in the Bible for a reason. Just get out of here. All right, welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurduk. It's been a long time since we've done this. Been a long, long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> and based off that intro, this is your Church Friends After Dark. After Hours. Yeah, After Dark. <laughs> after Hours, After Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Late at night. Yeah, we're recording again super late. Um, yeah, because it's been so long, because you've been off on your travels. Yeah, I've seen the world. Yeah. The yeah. only amount of the world that matters to Americans, which is <laughs> you've seen our country. Oh, I went to Canada. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was all about that. Mm. Our few Canadian listeners, I just made them stop listening. Montreal is beautiful. Mm. Yeah, so. They're if, back in. Yeah, they're back in. Montreal. <laughs> the syrup is delicious. Yeah. I didn't have any syrup. <sighs> Why not? I don't like syrup. It's not my thing. I. But Justine had a lot of maple stuff while we were there. And we bought souvenirs, so. I love syrup. Yeah, that's nasty. Syrup is fantastic. Like, I will... Drown your pancakes? I'll drown my pancakes. I, like, as a child, and since being a child, I will pick up my plate and lick the plate to get the syrup <laughs> off. I love syrup. I'm pretty sure, like, I've, I've shared this before, I'm going to end up diabetic. Like, Probably, with the amount of cotton yeah. candy. Oh, from Vermont, mm. Rose brought me back a maple syrup cotton candy. That's fantastic. I saw it. I was going to get you some. I was putting it out there. But I was very afraid because we still had like 15 days of traveling before we made it back home. And I was like, I don't know. Like if we get there and it's no longer cotton candy and it's just like mushed. Mm. So. That's all right. Delilah brought me back some. Yeah, I figured your wife did. So, But yeah, you're on your travels. Uh, I'll bring back our Canadian listeners. Um <laughs> And I say listener. There might be listeners, uh, but Canadian listener. I love Canada because Canada still has Toys R Us. What? Yeah. We were driving into uh, Montreal from Vermont. And, you know, a lot of it is just fields and, like, uh, farmlands. And then we got into, like, the city. And there it was. And I was like, what is that? And Remy yelled out, Dad, it's Toys R Us. Because when she was little, they still had them locally. Mm. Uh but Reed had never seen a Toys R Us. And he was like, what's this? And then we went inside, and he was like, oh, my gosh. His eyes got all huge. He was like, Dad, there's toys everywhere. And he was just so excited. So we thought about moving to Montreal there you go. just for the Toys R Us. But then the 15% taxes that they charge on everything was like, yeah, we'll, we'll just stay in California. Do you know how much tax is in California? No, but it's on everything. Like everything you buy, there's a tax. That's what sales tax is, Chris. I know, but like some stuff here, we don't have that on. It's only food. Yeah, that, it was on everything. Food as well. <laughs> you're like, I got to eat. Bro. Yeah, it's like expensive. I, but I was just laughing when you were talking about you found one up north because just over the past however many years with all the political upset and mm-hmm. you you got it from both sides that people were like, if this happens, I'm moving to Canada. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. Jeffrey did it. (laughs) (laughs) That giraffe went up north. He's like, I am done with America. (laughs) He died of the American bullcrap. He's like, I'm going up north. He's the only one that did. Maple leaves and uh, syrup. That was for him. That's funny. 
All right, we should get into this episode. But yeah, I'm back. We we've not sat at these chairs facing each other for like a month. Um, so so that's good luck, I, everyone. I was gonna say like we've had about an hour of trying to get used to talking to yeah. each other, which means that I'm all spent. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens next. Yeah. So I'll start off with this. Uh, we actually got um um actually. So um actually is basically we said something and somebody with uh maybe more. Mm-hmm. A knowledge came in and said, mm, actually, yeah. let me give you some more knowledge there. Yeah, someone smarter, our friend Jack. Jack is smart. Jack is smart, and if you don't know who Jack is, go back and listen to our Rethinking the Bible with Jack episode, and then you'll you'll understand. So this is on our episode uh, that I titled, Monsters, Guardians, and the Wild Ride of the Third Parable, which I think that's the first time you heard that that's what I titled great that title. episode. Yeah, uh, where we stated that it says, Enoch... Um, had lived 500 years or something like that in the 500 year of Enoch. Um, and we were like, well, Enoch only lived 300 and something years. So it's obviously not Enoch. Uh, so he's talking about Noah. Well, apparently it wasn't that obvious. So Jack wrote us a nice little message. And I'm just going to read what he said. Please do. Yeah. So he said, hey, guys, exclamation mark, just to let us know it was friendly. So I was like, oh, great. Listening to your latest episode, Monsters, Guardians, etc. I was like, oh, cool. Jack's listening. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, at about the 2350, you're looking at First Enoch 60, uh, verse 1. And then he wrote it there for us to read. In the year 500, in the seventh month, on the 14th day of the month, in the life of Enoch. And I was like, okay. Still, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, he's like kind of going to say something cool mm-hmm. about like what we said and like, Agree with us, but here comes the um, actually. Uh, this is not claiming that Enoch was still on the earth at 500 years any more than saying, in the year of our Lord 2023, claims that Jesus is still walking the earth today. It may well mean 500 years after the birth of Enoch. This is a bigger topic than I have time for this morning, <laughs> which I loved, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a pretty big clue about chapter 60 earlier in the book. First of all, consider what chapter 60 is pointing to. Uh, chapter 60, verse 4 reads, Until this day lasted the day of his mercy, and he hath been merciful and long-suffering towards those who dwell on the earth. He's saying, time's up. The judgment that's come that's been coming is now imminent. Enter no one the flood. Well, this was prophesied in First Enoch 10. And look how the prophecy mentioned Noah, Azazel, and Enoch, tying them together along with the figure of 500 years. It needs more research, but it is. It seems to suggest that the offsprings of the Watchers uh, wanted eternal life, but would be limited to 500 years and then the flood. So then he, you know, has Enoch chapter 10, verse one, mm-hmm. spelled out for us. Um, it's it's a lot, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, and then he summarizes everything with, as chapter 60 seems to be the start of the flood episode, it makes sense that it would be. Uh, it would be reminded of this prediction of 500 years. This needs to be vetted out, which I don't have time for, but I thought you'd at least want to hear this much. Uh, You could cross-check the numbers with the time between uh, Enoch, Noah, including Methuselah, Mm -hmm. to see if any of this adds up. And that's where we got slightly um, actually. Yeah. So that does make sense. As soon as he started to say it, 
it immediately jumped into my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, he got taken up. It's not like he died and there was no more interactions. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole book of Enoch is. is yeah. like <laughs> him continuing to have interactions after That's going to the heavenly mean. places. You know, when he went up and started seeing all these yeah. like spirits of the air, like, yeah, mm-hmm. there was time. So, yeah, that, that's a cool point to bring up. Yeah, it really is. And, and it just goes to show that, like, as we're studying Enoch and we're like, hey, this is what it's saying, um, it may not say that and because we're just kind of journeying through this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I, don't consider myself an Enoch expert at all. In fact, I barely read the book this year or maybe late 2023. But Late 2023? Yeah. Here in the future. <laughs> yeah. What year are we in? 2023. Late 2022. There it is. <laughs> Enoch's telling you secrets. Yeah, in the Enoch. Future. He's been whispering me through the cosmos. Uh, but uh, so I don't consider myself an expert, but I have put time into like looking into it. And even as we get into this episode, like we're studying and we're putting re- eyes into it. I don't fully think we would consider ourselves a Heiser or a who we quote Nicholsberg or even a Stephen D. Young. But, you know, we're learning and we're presenting it to you how we learn. Yeah, definitely. We were talking about this earlier is that when we're in the biblical books, like we've spent a lot more time studying through those things and for like decades, right? Yeah. Going through reading about it, living it out, life experience, wisdom shared and everything else. So like we're pretty confident on Mm -hmm. what we're bringing in there. Here it's I'm pretty sure we are a few steps in front of others. And this is an introduction to Enoch. Yeah. It's a probably 12-episode introduction, but it's a long book. And yeah. you know what I mean? To be able to go into it, hopefully we're sharing stuff with people that are just like, okay, I was kind of not so sure about going into it, but I feel like some of this was, you know, described because not everybody wants to go and read commentaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm interested. Where do I even find this stuff at? But um, that being said, I do want to put a note, uh, something in our show notes. Okay. Because you brought up Nicholsburg. Yeah, George Nicholsburg. Yeah, he has a great couple commentaries on First Enoch, and I think that we can link in there so that if somebody wanted to go in, because honestly, Nicholsburg's notes are far more... We would... Our whole show for series upon series would be on First Enoch if we were just to use yeah. all of his notes yeah. and and spell it out, right? So if this is something that, like, I'm interested, I want to get in and get more information or, like, mm-hmm. kind of fill in the blanks and stuff... It's great. So I'm going to trust you to put a link in the show notes to be able to get those books if somebody wants them. Future Chris, make sure that happens. Late 2023. (laughs) Future Chris is already on (laughs) top of it. Yeah, he's already got it done. Uh, Yeah, uh, there's that. There's Heiser's two commentaries. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, he wasn't able to finish the last portions of Enoch. Before he passed, yeah. Before he passed. But yeah, those have been... Yeah, we'll put good. links to all of it then. Yeah, those have been good resources. For me, I found some articles by Stephen D. Young, and uh, they're like just simple articles. You could read through them, but then also like he sometimes uses fancy words, and because it's also orthodox, there's other words in there that you might be confused in, like what does this mean? Yeah. A simple Google search will help you out there. Isn't it great that we're 11 episodes deep? Like, hey, here's some resources. Yeah. <laughs> hey, stop listening to us and go you know, read that stuff. No, <laughs> Honestly, if somebody's made it 11 episodes, and they're probably the type of people that would want to know yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Speaking of knowing a bit more, let's learn some more. Let's get into this, because uh, this episode, we're aiming to cover uh, chapters 91 through 105. So After we just had that super long intro. Oh, man, yeah. You're still confident? We're aiming for 91 through 93. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we can get to, to some of it. I, I For me, a lot of it, um, especially 94 to 105, 
is a lot of stuff that we've already kind of mm-hmm. hit with Enoch. So I feel like it might get slightly repetitive. But uh, this section is called the Epistle of Enoch, or Enoch's Testament. Uh, Testament. Uh, the Epistle, uh, usually in the New Testament, refers to like letters, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that like Paul's letter, James, uh, the John letters, and then both the Peters. Uh, but here it's not a letter, but rather uh, a recorded uh, a record of Enoch's parting words to his son Methuselah and his extended family. So it's not necessarily an epistle how we would see it in the New Testament, but it still is. This section uh, describes the blessings of the righteousness and the woes of the sinners. And so the woes are pretty interesting. I counted uh, just from the translation I have, and there is roughly about 29. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, and so there's about 29 in this section alone, give or take. I say roughly because depending on translation, there might be a few more in there. And also I was counting it like at 11 o'clock last night, maybe midnight. So I may have missed a few. Um, Enoch appeals to the righteous to remain steadfast before judgment occurs. And then uh, different from the woes, there are exhortations. So there's like, hey, Keep it up, encouragements, in other words. So there's 95.3, where he says, fear not, 96.1, be hopeful, 96.3, fear not again, 97.1, uh, take courage. And then there's another, fear not, take courage, do not grieve, fear not. That's in 102 to 103. Uh, 104 has take courage, and then 104 again is fear not. And we'll get into why he's mentioning those as we get into it. But uh, So there's a lot of woes, and then there's a lot of also like, hey, for the righteous people going through this time right now, you know, fear not, be hopeful, right. um, which is an important part of uh, tribulation or tough times is having those reminders. And that's where you say that this really is echoing back to a lot of stuff that we've already covered in Enoch, which mm-hmm. when we're getting into this section, this is considered book five. So we've yeah. talked about this being an assembling of different books. So like now this is book five, final book, right? As far as what's getting assembled here. And, um, yeah, there's been a lot. I know that we covered a lot of that when it came to the judgment. Yeah. Really, it's just like, hey, this part's really good for you righteous. And that's how it leads off the section. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes into this whole thing of like, so the unrighteous, yeah. here's how they're going to get judged. Mm-hmm. And just really that thing of judgment, of God coming in and setting things right, how much that is, I mean, it's his righteousness, right? It's, it's yeah. him coming in and doing that for everybody that has stayed aligned with him. So we are getting... More of that with some different details. As you said, um, you've got this cool thing of weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you want to break down some of those weeks? So there's the apocalypse of weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So this is, it's 10 weeks. Uh, I don't know why I put only a five up to you. Oh, my other hand was holding my chapstick. <laughs> I didn't catch it. <laughs> oh, I could have just kept going. Uh, which uh, wickedness will prevail on the earth, and after those weeks, the righteous will prevail forever. And it's a very similar pattern we see in Revelation. Um, There's a lot of stuff in here that is very yeah, reminiscent of Revelation. It really is. And before we jump into it, I just want to have two more notes on it. Uh, this portion was probably written about 150 BC, and I think that's important because where these books were written, and I read somewhere where this, uh, this uh, portion of Enoch was like independent on its own for a long time, and was looked at as an independent source before it was thrown into like the whole collection. Um, when we get into it, you could really see New Testament. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot more, I think, New Testament uh, in this section than you do any other of the the parts of Enoch. And it just pulls a lot of it. Because written around that time, that's Second Temple literature. And this is what's shaping 
the minds of the people who are waiting for the coming Messiah. Like during that time, they were so good at knowing that Jesus was coming that so many people came claiming to be the Messiah. Like they knew it was going to be around that time. Mm-hmm. So that when Jesus did come, it wasn't like really catching everyone by surprise. It was like, we knew this. And a lot of that was coming from the second temple literatures were pointing towards a coming Messiah. There's a coming Messiah. And I think for especially people who don't pick up Enoch, which I guess would say your typical American Christian or just most Christians out there. If you're not Ethiopian. Yeah, if you're not Ethiopian or Orthodox, like you don't really touch this book. And you're not seeing what Second Temple literature is laying out. You know, we just like Malachi, that's it. God didn't talk to anyone ever again. And then Jesus arrived, and now we have Matthew. But there was a lot God was doing during those times through some of those writings. Yeah, I like that perspective that you give, because it is showing we have what is within the canon, right? Mm -hmm. And from within the canon, where we have that ending, and then moving forward, and people are expecting, based off of the prophecies that they already have, and they're like, oh, it's coming up. And it is shaping the real culture that's there. Mm-hmm. So when they're writing about like, hey, this is coming up. Here's what it's going to look like for the righteous. Here's what it looks like for the sinners. Here's what it looks like for the righteous one to be coming, right? Mm-hmm. And really, almost like when you take this literature into account, and even through Enoch, because it was written over such like a broad span of time within that, and this one's kind of the newest of it, it's like, it's almost shaped like, oh, we're, we're closer now. Yeah. To it, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh, so 91 through 93? Yeah, let's go for it. There are some problems with this, though, uh, because uh, apparently the placement order, so, like, it's a little thrown off. You start reading chapter 91, and all of a sudden you're, like, weeks 8 through 10. And you're like, wait, what happened weeks 1 through 7? Well, that's in chapter 93. So there are some issues about, like, the placement, and uh, I think I read where they were, like, believing, like, something got misplaced when they were doing it, so they just kind of left it that way. But the general consensus of the order of the original text is uh, 91, 1 through 10, then verses 18 through 19, 92, 1 through 93, 10, then back to 91, 11 through 17, and then finally 93, 11 through 14. So if you read it the way I just broke it down, it actually does make a lot more sense and flows. It's almost like, cool, you have your Bible, then you have your chronological Bible. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's put it in order, um, which is interesting because I said, oh, yeah, book five starts with chapter 91. Mm-hmm. But then you get in chapter 92 and it says book five was written by Enoch yeah. after you've already been partway through <laughs> yeah, 91 yeah, yeah. and 91 starts with like eight, nine and 10, right? So yeah. it's just like, eh, it's a little jumbled around. Yeah. And I was telling this to Justine when we were walking today and she was like, like Jeremiah, like the book of Jeremiah, like you do need to know which king was around during that time because it's a little kind of mm-hmm. bounces around as well. And I was like, yeah, so... All right, Chris, be our guide. It's not unbiblical. All right, here we go. Uh, I kind of want to touch in some of the verses from 1 through 10. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, 3 and 4 was really cool. Let me see if I could pull my book up without it clanking onto anything, or if you got it in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, So 91, 3 and 4? Yeah. So then he, Enoch, spoke to all of them, children of righteousness, and said, Hear, all you children of Enoch, the talk of your father, and listen to my voice in uprightness. For I exhort you, my beloved, and say to you, love uprightness and it alone. Do not draw near uprightness with any ambivalent attitude, and neither associate with hypocrites. But walk in righteousness, my children, and it shall lead you in the good paths, and righteousness shall be your friend. 
You said five as well? No, that was it. Okay. Which is interesting because yours said ambivalent and my translation had double hearted or double heart. And when I thought of that, I instantly thought of James Mm -hmm. and he was like, don't be double minded. And I was like, oh, okay. I kind of get what's going on here. But then I was looking at like, okay, where does it say double heart in the Bible? And I found it in Psalms chapter 12, verse two. So the ESV says, Everyone utters lies to his neighbors with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of understanding what a double heart means. Then I looked at the NIV translation of that verse and it said, everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their heart. And then I looked at the net translation that said, people lie to one another. They flatter and they deceive. So then it really opened up my mind to like a double minded is kind of more like on the fence about things. You're kind of teetering back and forth, but this is more like stay away from people who are lying, deceptive, who have, uh, who might be wanting to twist things. Yeah. I just real quick uh, looked up ambivalent. So it's saying having mixed feelings or opinions about something or someone. So it's that mixture, Mm -hmm. right? And you do get that to where when there's a mixture coming in, especially in thoughts, opinions, convictions, and he's saying, look, stick to righteousness. Yeah. Like have integrity here. Don't go with the wicked. Don't whatever. Because it is a thing of integrity towards like, if you start to break it a little bit, if you start to bring it, well, maybe this is okay, or maybe this, whatever, it's just like, nope, you mixed it. And Mm -hmm. uh, what would our Lord say? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be mixed in with the mixed up people. Yeah. Aha, that was cool. That was pretty cool. That was good. So, yeah, that that was there. I really liked that part. And it just kind of made that stark warning seem bigger. Uh, Then uh, the idea about righteousness will guide you on a good path and be your companion was kind of in there as well. And uh, to me, it's like righteousness is almost personified. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it will guide you. And I just kind of uh, picture, like, a father taking a kid by the hand and leading them through things. Uh, so at, during our travel, um, sorry if you live in uh, Pennsylvania, especially Philadelphia. Um, but I thought you were just going to end the sentence. Sorry if you live there. <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvania was probably, like, uh, the most roughest downtown we'd been in. Hmm. And it was, you know, a lot of uh, homeless people, a lot of just sketchiness going on around. And you're from L.A. Yeah, right? And I was like, I thought like New York, you know, we'd have to be worried about New York from everything you hear on TV that it was pretty bad there or Chicago. Both of those areas were very beautiful and fun to be in. But Pennsylvania, I was like grabbing the kids and guiding them through. Like I was keeping my eye watching on everything, like making sure where, and maybe it was just our GPS took us down the wrong street to walk down. We were walking from like this area to the Liberty Bell. Um, but it just seemed like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things that could happen bad here. So I'm holding them and, but we're keeping a close eye and we're guiding them through to get to the place we want to go to safely. Uh, so that really kind of spoke a lot to me when I just read that, like, it'll guide you on the good path. It will be your companion. Like there's something actually guiding you. Yeah. And with us knowing the rest of the story, we would say someone, right? Yeah, Because you're talking about personified, but yeah, we have the Holy Spirit coming and having that role. It just made me think like, cool, so in that example, you are being the righteous, right? Righteousness Mm -hmm. and holding the kids and even Enoch saying, hey, listen, my kids, like be stuck with righteousness. But then there is the thing of like, I don't know if it would be Reed or Remy. For some reason, I feel like it would be Remy, which is like, "Eh, I'll make a break for it real quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. (laughs) Um. But isn't that so like us? Hey, listen, like righteousness will hold you, but you got to actually stick to that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you got to follow. Yeah. Don't be ambivalent. Like, oh, should I stay with my dad or should I... Exactly. Go with this homeless person. (laughs) (laughs) They seem safe. Um, But within that, even, uh, this is a really big setup here for especially when you get to the woes and when you get to stuff later on of really, it is the righteous versus the sinner. Mm -hmm. And it is like, hey... For whatever you think that you may be missing out on or for whatever other people who are doing different things are trying to get you and entice you to go that way, stay on that straight and narrow of righteousness because when you get to later on, like, that is your safe spot. Mm -hmm. It talks about like, hey, with the riches that are coming on or with this going on or whatever, just like your safe spot is within righteousness because judgment is coming. So the wisdom that's coming from... This is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm telling you, kids, listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, verse 10 is interesting. You want to read that one? Yeah, I found this one was interesting too. Then the righteous one shall arise from his sleep, and the wise one shall arise, and he shall be given unto them the people. Yeah, I read that too. It's like, the righteous one will awake from his sleep. So this is pretty interesting. So I've, I've got Daniel, and, and Daniel says, At that time, Michael, the great prince, who watches over your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress unlike any other from the nation's beginning up into this time. But at that time, your own people, all those whose names are found written in the book, will escape. Many of those who who sleep in the dusty ground will awake, some to everlasting life. Uh, And then Isaiah says, uh, your dead will come back to life. Your corpse will rise. Wake up and shout joyfully, you who live in the ground, for you will grow like plants drenched in the morning dew, and the earth will bring forth as dead spirits. Ephesians says, for everything made evident in light, and for this reason it says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This one I found interesting because it's like, it's a saying, and then I went to look like, well, where's this saying from? Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's just poetry that was written at that time. Yeah, Paul was really good at appropriating Mm -hmm. cultural things and like, hey, you guys are familiar with this, like, let's bring this in. He he was a good preacher. He was like, hey, you know that movie that's out right now? Yeah, he was. (laughs) He's good at that. Um, Thessalonians then has uh, two sections. It says, uh, he died for us so that uh, whether we are alert or asleep, we will come to life together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are in fact doing. And then uh, right above that in verse or chapter 4, verse 13, it has the, the big one, right? This is the one that like people are like, that's the rapture. Uh, it has, now we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so also we believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep as Christians. For we tell you this by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, we who are alive, who are left, will suddenly be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so uh, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage another, one another with these words. So we read Enoch 91.10, and you're like, okay, that's interesting. And then you read all this in the Bible, and you're like, oh, there's precedence for this. Mm-hmm. So where you have Isaiah and Daniel, maybe Enoch pulled from them. But then you see New Testament writers picking up that same language of the dead rising to the Thessalonians one, because a lot of people use this for the rapture. And like, this, this, this is what Jesus means. We're going to be raptured up to him. Uh, the coming down is uh and meeting him is like it's more of the triumphal king returning yep 
and we're going out of the city gate to celebrate with yeah. him. Yeah. What it's saying is like, this is the celebration. The returning king has come home to celebrate. And obviously, this is saying like the victory over sin, death, and uh, just evil and corruption. So, But just going with what you're talking um, about the victorious king coming and where I said, do I stop there? Because I stopped at 10. But going into 11, it says, and through him, the roots of oppression shall be cut off. Mm. Right? And then so it's just very much talking about like, yeah, here's this one arising and going forth, the righteous one. And like, yeah, through him, this is how this is going to happen. Um so even there, again, looking at what's going on here, it's like, hey, stick close to righteousness and follow this. This one figure is coming, mm-hmm. and through him, this stuff is going to happen. And just the assurance there that even in this, and we, we touched on it before when it's talking about Son of Man and everything, is just how messianic yeah. Enoch is. And really kind of looking at things the way that how you said come into our understanding as, of Christians. is like, yeah, Jesus is going to come and do all these things. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it, it makes a lot of sense, too, because... Uh, I, I know the Old Testament does kind of like volley up the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's in there, um, especially when you get into those later prophets. It's in there. But the way they understood it and the way they were excited for the Messiah, uh, for me, the Old Testament doesn't volley it up enough or, you know, get it in there. It does feel like when you read more Second Temple literature that they were then spiking it in. Like this is why mm-hmm. during that time they were so excited about it and they were like, is this him? Is it him? Like, is this happening now? Um, yeah, it's like they had been looking at what mm-hmm. was given in the scriptures and be like, whoa, are you guys putting this together? Like, he's the guy that's going to be mm-hmm. coming. Like, see what you're saying? Yeah. All right. The Apocalypse of Weeks. Here we go. Jumping into it. You're the guide. Ha <laughs> ha, the dude here. You ever have those gnarly visions and dreams that leave you scratching your head, wondering if they're straight from the big guy upstairs? Well, hang loose, bro. The Heavenly Hearing Aids got your back with the Rad Vision and Dreams Edition. Just slap the hearing aid in your ear, dial in the God frequency, and hit up Gabriel's assistance. Boom! Suddenly those trippy visions and dreams become crystal clear, straight from the man upstairs and his heavenly crew. Imagine shredding in your dreams, catching waves of end-time vibes, Spotting a mega tree or seven towering mountains, witnessing epic angel battles, or even crushing through heavenly portals. When you wake up, the heavenly hearing aid would drop the knowledge bomb, giving you the lowdown on what those dreams and visions really mean. No more guessing, my dudes. And check this out, bro. It's not just about heavenly stuff. The heavenly hearing aid will also let you know if it's legit from God or just a funky side effect from those late night chili cheese fries. Say goodbye to confusion my dude and let the heavenly hearing aid be your ultimate guide. Don't sleep on this bro, grab your very own heavenly hearing aid from all rad retail spots out there. The heavenly hearing aid helping you hear what's up in the heavens and getting you stoked on what the man upstairs is saying to you. All right, cool. Uh, they are a summary of human history from creation to the last judgment. Uh, Enoch claims to have, and this I didn't really put together. I actually read this in a commentary. I think it was the Nickelberg one, uh, that Enoch claims to have copied from the heavenly tablets at the end of his tour in the cosmos. So from 81, I think it's 81, 1 through 4, uh, that he was getting that tour, and at the very end he copied something down. This is this is what he copied down. So now mm-hmm. we know. Um I like what Stephen DeYoung says about this. He says, uh, the focus of the weeks is not 
on the quality of the error represented by uh, Enoch. Rather, it is on the transitional figure or events which arise at the end of the weeks, which then begins the next weeks. So for him, the big part of the weeks was how it ends and what ends. Just real quick, because what you talked on on 81. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, how do you get this information? 81 says, and he said to me, Enoch, Look at the tablets of heaven, read what's written on them, and understand one by one. So I looked at the tablets of heaven, read all the writing on them, and came to understand everything. I read that book and all the deeds of humanity and all the children of the flesh upon the earth, all the generations of the world, right? So when you're saying like, hey, looking forward to mm-hmm. all of these, these weeks that are happening, then and I, we quoted this when we went through it. At that very moment, I bless the great Lord, the King of glory forever. Uh, for he has created all the phenomena in the world. I praise the Lord because of his patience, and I wept on account of the children of the people of the earth. After that, I said, Blessed is a man who dies righteous and upright, against whom no record of oppression has been written, and who received no judgment on that day. So again, he's looking at everything, Mm -hmm. and upon reading that, he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to bless God, and then I'm going to say, I've seen everything, blessed is the righteous one mm-hmm. so here he's coming to be like hey those things that i wrote down i'm gonna tell you about it yeah righteousness is a big deal yeah it's important yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so i'm just gonna kind of go through the weeks if there's anything that you feel like we should read or highlight from it yeah, yeah. Uh, just stop me uh but uh week one ends with the birth of enoch uh week two ends with the first end uh, that's the flood of Noah in that time. And it says, uh, a man will be saved. So that's Noah and his family. And then to spring up here, it, it mentions uh, to spring up, like the violence was springing up. Um, that suggests that evil here is thought of as a plant, uh, kind of the counterpart of the righteous plant that we'll get to in, in the next week. Um, not in next week's episode, but in the next apocalypse week. Um, and that also kind of goes with Matthew 7, uh, 17 through 20. Uh, Jesus says, in the same way, Every good tree bears good fruit, uh, but bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree is not able to bear uh, bad fruit, uh, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown to the fire, so then you'll recognize them by their fruit. And we've kind of touched on this at the beginning, that Matthew does pull a little more from Enoch or vice versa or something like that. But um, yeah, you can see it right there that you know Jesus is kind of the same thing, that evil is a plant as well. Which does make sense when he talks about the weeds. Uh, weeds, in most senses, are evil when they're growing in things that you don't want them to grow into. Yeah, Jesus would say in the parable, right, that the weeds come in and choke out the, the plant that's trying to grow. Yeah. Uh, so then week three ends with the call of Abraham, uh, and he's a plant of righteousness that grows and blossoms forever. Uh, another note for this is that in Jubilees and the Apocalypse of Abraham, uh, Abraham's call in Ur involved him turning from paganism uh, and specifically idolatry. I thought this was interesting too. It said in a post-flood time marked by violence, Abraham is chosen to begin the process of instilling in the world the righteousness that had been lost uh, with the departure of Enoch at the end of the first week. So here we're seeing that um, this new plant of righteousness will grow and it's out of the paganism and idolatry, Abraham's putting that aside and following God and planting those seeds. Yeah, and you have Abraham, I don't know if your translation say, and after him, one other shall emerge. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and which they tend to uh, look at as being Isaac. Right, yeah. yeah. Because so th- he was like the promised son, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're having that carrying on. Uh, week four ends with the giving of the Torah as a result of visions. Uh, it says in there, the holy and righteous will be seen. 
and this could be the appearance of God to Moses uh, on the mountain. Uh, week five ends with the temple being built. Uh, week six, Israel falls into apostasy. Uh, a man sends to heaven, so Elijah. And then it ends with the temple being burned to the ground and Israel being scattered into exile. Uh, then we get into week seven. And all this is in chapter 93. Uh, this is the period when the book of Enoch was compiled. And then it ends with uh, the Messiah appearing. And I like this. Uh, Stephen D. Young wrote in, in his article, There are two primary effects of this coming Messiah for the coming week. First, the nations give up their idols, and the gods of the nations are cast down and hurled into the fire of eternal punishment. And he he's sources First uh, Enoch 91.9. And it also represents the beginning of the resurrection of the dead who upon their resurrection receive wisdom. And that's verse 10, what we've already covered right there. Week 8, uh, the age of righteousness. Uh, this is described as a period of spiritual warfare. It's a battle against uh, sin. Actually, I think I have that open. I kind of want to read it because it was pretty cool. After that, there will be another, the eighth week that of righteousness. And it specifically says that of righteousness. Um, and a sword will be given to it, and the righteous judgment may be executed to, on the oppressors, and sinners will be delivered into the hands of the righteous. Um, so you could see this, this spiritual battle is going on, and it's a battle against sin. And it ends with those who practice righteousness receive houses uh, within the house of the great king in glory. So even Jesus was like, in my father's house there are many rooms. You, know, you could see like there's pieces of this everywhere. Wait, real quick, week eight. I like how mine ends it all. It says, a house shall be built for the great king in glory forevermore. Yeah. That's all I was saying. Just going along. I, I just like the way that things are worded sometimes. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I, I also enjoyed that imagery of it because it uh, it's familiar language. That's what I was really noticing in this section. I don't think I said it on the recording. I think I did it when we were talking. But this part of Enoch was quite possibly my favorite mm -hmm. um, because this language is very familiar. It's not... Like the visions, the astronomical stuff, it's just portals and right. sun moving. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I think when I got to that part of Enoch, I was like, yeah, I know why this isn't in the Bible. And then I got to this part and I was like... Enoch is like uh, the first one to release like the Sky app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. And then now I'm like, oh, this portion was like, wait, this is uh, familiar verbiage here. Yeah, bringing that part that I read, though, the house shall be built for the great king and glory forevermore, because you got um, coming to Solomon, right? Mm -hmm. Solomon was the one who built the temple, right? The house mm -hmm. for, for God. And he's like, no, no, no. Here's how the house is being built for the great king, like through this part. So mm -hmm. uh, I think what's important here is knowing that this was second temple, mm -hmm. when they came back and built that temple again, and they were like, we did it again. And God's like, yeah, that's not what I was talking about, guys. Um, and then Jesus coming along saying he is the temple. Um, and, you know, then even this kind of more of a heavenly temple, you can see that there is a difference in, in the language. So, yeah. Week nine, the entire earth will be judged and sin will be put away forever. So earth passes away and is reborn. Week 10, uh, the heavens are judged. So now these are the watchers and the other rebellious powers in heaven. Uh, so then heaven passes away and is replaced with a new heaven. So that's the weeks in a nutshell. Yeah, that distinction between ninth and tenth, right? Mm -hmm. To where like, all right, judging the earth, judging the heavens, 
and we're thinking about oh heavens and earth passing away mm-hmm. and you know those being renewed and there being a new one which we've talked about on the show before just kind of how do you interpret that and what does that look like and we get in revelation towards like oh okay yeah the devil and all the angels that followed him like there's that judgment so just kind of the delineation between those that's given here yeah yeah a lot of a lot of uh a lot of weeks a lot of judgments yeah kind of crazy that uh enoch saw all of it and he's like we can break down all of history into 10 weeks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was done so like quickly too. Like when I got into it, I, I mean, the animal apocalypse was like long, like those are long chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this was just like, here's what happens. It was like the cliff note version of that. Yeah. It is interesting when I look at the thing though of, I know that there was, you know, still big chunks of time between those mm-hmm. things. But it still seems like, all right, well, Abraham is a week and then Moses is a week and then like, you know, Solomon's a week and you're getting those in between. And it's just then you jump into because it's like he's writing back towards those things Mm -hmm. because you're looking at this is second temple. So he's writing back towards like all these things happen and they're looking at the Messiah is coming. So here's a couple more weeks that are going to happen. But those couple more weeks that are going to happen is like, well, it's been 2000 years since Jesus came. I feel like yeah. that's a pretty big week that's happening, right? Yeah. But that's what yeah. a lot of people say. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, it's been a long time. Where's your God out? And mm-hmm. how is that going? And just really looking at how much time God is giving now for the church in this time. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could almost see, like, writing it then. Like, yeah, look at all these weeks. And then the Messiah is about to come, guys. And there's going to be a couple more weeks. Like, oh, y- you didn't quite know. <laughs> how that would play out yeah um an interesting thing to me after those weeks and it's the end of 93 so he's been showing all these things and he's talking about these weeks and he does a weird thing he's like for what kind of human being is there that can be oh, yeah, able yeah. to hear the voice of the holy one without being shaken and it's like well you heard that right enoch mm-hmm. who is there that's able to ponder his deep thoughts it's like well you've been doing that right <laughs> Who is there that can look directly at all the good deeds? It's like, isn't that what the tablets you read all the deeds? So it's just weird. What kind of person is he that can fully understand the activities of heaven? It's just like, why are you talking about yourself in this way? You know, mm-hmm. it's a weird, like, is this a humble brag? Is this like John? Yeah. <laughs> when he's just like, Peter's <laughs> slow. I beat yeah. him to the grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, random. Yeah, it was just yeah. an interesting thing that after all of these things, like, who could possibly do this? And just like, well, isn't it you? Like, why are you, why mm-hmm. are you pointing this out about yourself? Maybe to give himself credibility. I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. Which of you could do it because I did it. Yeah. I read that and I was kind of like, okay, chapter 94. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, Yeah. you just read through it and you get to the end. You're like, all right, Enoch, cool. Yeah, which made it more interesting, though, is because when I first read this portion, I read it the way it was printed. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like, I did the study and they're like, no, read it this way. When I flipped it, a lot of that made more sense. But this closing part still gave me that same feel of like, mm-hmm. all right, chapter 94. So chapter 94, the two ways. I, I, we've heard about two ways before. Yeah, it's just a repeated thing. Even in, um, where is it at? The Didache. The Didache. But even in verse 18 through 19, it, it was just like there are two ways are presented again. And the consequences of the bad path is violence. Like that's what it leads to. And that's in 18 and 19 of chapter 91. And then we get in 92, and again, two ways uh, are presented again. And so the two ways of human conduct and the result is life or death, reward or punishment. It's crazy that it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And 
think about uh, under the old covenant. It's like, hey, go up on these two mountains. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, it really is too. Like, righteousness and blessing or wickedness and curses. Like, it's two options. Mm-hmm. We can overcomplicate it, right? I think we do because the overcomplication comes from, well, you have to live this way in obedience. Um, but I still want what I want. So the overcomplication comes from like, how do I have a foot on each mountain? Right, exactly. Like, how do I, how do, I do that? And uh, <laughs> I was watching a video and it was someone like trying to balance themselves on like two separate things. Jean-Claude Van Damme well, no, on he those did two it. trucks. Yeah, he did that. <laughs> but it was someone, I guess, trying to emulate that, but with not trucks. And, like, they just fell flat on their face. And I think most humans, uh, other than, I guess, if you're Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, and trying to balance two things on, on two different legs that are splitting you apart, in a sense, you're going to fall flat on your face. Like, there's no way to do it. But here's what I think the wisdom in this of saying, no, there's two ways. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in righteousness, guess where you are? Mm. Like, you don't balance the two. Yeah. You're either in it or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we overcomplicate it because we're like, no, I could be both. And it's like, no, you're not. I, I like that uh, 9910 also adds that, like, this, inv- I think I've said it too, that it involves obedience to God's commands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that it also involves, uh, the way of righteousness also involves a faithful trust in God uh, that he will vindicate you in spite of the presence of uh, oppression. And that's, uh, I pulled that from 95.3. And I really like those two ideas together because when we think sometimes of righteousness and going on that way, it's like, yeah, obedience, right? Like I've got to be obedient. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of times uh, trusting God that he will vindicate us isn't part of that obedience, um, especially in the face of like oppression. And we saw that in the pandemic, that in the face of oppression, the church kind of didn't seem to make the right calls. It's almost like we rallied against it to like fight back. Like we're going to open up whether you tell us or not and rallied in all these cases. And for whatever decision uh, people felt like they were being led to, uh, I guess the idea is where were we trusting God to vindicate us? Right, like this is what this is saying. It's it's a hard thing to understand when it's God will vindicate you. Do you defend yourself? Instincts tells me yes. Protect me, protect my family. But God's saying, I'll protect you. I'll protect your family. And in the face of real oppression, in the face of real tribulation, like Enoch's warning Methuselah and his sons, and they're gonna live through a time that's very different that's very violent very uh selfish and even jesus is like when are the last days going to be like they're going to be like the days of noah right so we're we're going to be living through this time how are we going to do this how are we going to completely trust god and part of walking in righteousness i saw this as like yeah i just got to trust god i'm, I'm gonna side note that because you're talking about oppression as like i feel like we have brothers and sisters in countries where mm-hmm. there is very real oppression mm-hmm. like at the cost of their life and at least in america it's like during covid the government was like hey y'all christians you can still be christian yeah we're not singling you out like as a matter of fact everybody is going into this lockdown mm-hmm. mode 
You know, except the people that we're choosing that don't need to. Yeah. Maybe some of them are governors and their businesses, but that's beyond the point. But, you know, it's like Christians weren't being singled out to be oppressed. Mm -hmm. This was more of just a government being a government and overstepping bounds. Yeah. In my opinion. Like, and it's just like, that was just everybody. It wasn't like, I'm being oppressed for being a Christian. They're not letting me do the Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, they're not letting anybody do the thing. But they're also not coming after you because you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you weren't allowed to go meet in your church building. Is that going to stop you as the church? Because as far as I'm concerned, like, haven't we always said that the church isn't the building? Mm -hmm. And what kind of oppression was coming to you and the other Christians that you continued to be the church with? Yeah. I don't think that the government was coming after you in those ways so that thing of oppression is just like yeah just generally maybe general government like (laughs) overbound like overstepping Mm -hmm. stuff but i don't know we have some friends who are from overseas and they're looking at their pastors being kidnapped and like all kinds of stuff happening like "Uh, yeah yeah we should think about that um but yeah i'm with you on that point but in that when you kind of how you're putting it out enoch here in verse two he's saying to certain persons the way of injustice and death shall be revealed as soon as they're born so kind of like hey these people are going to be born with knowledge of what these things are and they shall keep themselves at a distance from those ways and would not follow them now to you those righteous ones i say do not walk in the evil way or in the way of death Do not draw near to them lest you be destroyed, but seek for yourselves and choose righteousness and the elect life. Walk in the way of peace so that you shall have life and be worthy. Hold fast my words in the thoughts of your hearts and let them not be erased from your hearts. For I do know that sinners will counsel the people to perform evil craft and every place will welcome it and every advice of the sinners may not diminish. So kind of how you were saying like, hey, we walk through the situation and Enoch is saying, hey, the way of righteousness is going to be made known to people and what sin looks like and what unrighteousness looks like. And they are going to keep themselves at a distance from those things. Mm. Right? It's like, okay, we see what the world is doing. We see what their advice is. We see what's going on there. We're just going to keep a distance from that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, going through covid as well as many other things is like oh no we all jumped right in that same thing with people you know yeah like we're we're in all the same conversations we're talking about it in all the same ways and all that's happening is just like really no one saw to like sidestep that to keep a distance from that and just like oh okay something like i don't know we're all battling for toilet paper i have a bidet (laughs) (laughs) i guess murdoch is not battling for toilet paper uh yeah that's walking in the way of wisdom that's walking in the way of wisdom he is separating himself uh the path of violence uh, iniquity and evil does lead to death and destruction and then we really see a lot of that in chapters 94 through 102 um there's just a that huge chunk is uh, this is again where i mentioned the woes these just Mm -hmm. pop in through there and there's so many of them um yeah it's a lot it, it is uh, Enoch's warning uh, to them is just a simple, do not be misled by evil practices of the world you live in. And I really feel like, kind of what you're saying, like separate yourself, that portion in there, I really feel like uh, that saying is also applicable today. Like, do not be misled by the practices of the evil in the world today. And I feel like we can. We can get very easily uh, 
that gray line. We could just kind of jump into things and not really fully understand that like, oh, I've now put myself in a situation that's not good for me. I've, I've kind of moved away from righteousness and I'm doing this because, you know, whether it's fudging the numbers on your taxes or uh, maybe going through a stop sign because no other cars are around. Like uh, those are small little minor things that I bring up, but I guess maybe not fudging on your taxes, but you know, like there are things that we kind of IRS over here. We don't do, <laughs> we those. don't do that at all. We don't uh, recommend that everybody, <laughs> everybody pay your money to Caesar. Uh, but you know, we, we can compromise. I guess that's what the word I was trying to go for. Uh, we could compromise uh, because we see things, people doing things in the world and think like, well, they're doing it and nothing's happening. I guess I could try and do it too. Yeah, within that, there is the thing that we need. How do I say it? When I'm reading through a lot of these woes, it's kind of how I talked about in an earlier episode where it's like, this is talking to those who are kind of in seemingly to be in the positions of power you know what i mean like getting into that first woe there that's in 94 6 woe to those who build oppression and injustice who lay foundations for deceit and then it goes woe to those who build their houses with sin uh woe to you O rich people for you put trust in your wealth and some of the other stuff it seems like more on that bigger level of mm-hmm. like how maybe our world would say like some of those systemic things that got put into place of mm-hmm. like oppressing people and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I know that me as an individual, I can like oppress people, I guess, in some ways. But when I look at some of the judgments that kind of getting talked about here, it's like, mm, not like that though. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm working the whole system to like, oh, I have the knowledge of what these actions are going to do. Mm-hmm. Do it anyway. Well, what happens if I have money to pay the lawyers? What, the government's going to find me? I'll pay the fine. Right. Go ahead and do the thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like that's a completely different level. And I think that when I read through a lot of these woes, a lot of it does speak to that level of mm-hmm. things. But also it does say what you're saying is like the people that would follow along with that. And within some of these, and I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but it talks about like for the rich people. And it says like almost they seem like they're the righteous ones and that they've got it right. Like mm-hmm. they've got the money and things are happening well for them. And that's some deceit for people like to to follow in those ways, right? Just like, oh, yeah, they seem to be able to do the things that the church is saying not to do, but they're being blessed. Mm -hmm. And like, it seems like they have a life and it doesn't seem like any judgment is coming on them for that. And if they're also encouraging other people to do the same, and you know, that's the temptation is like, you're not going to say no righteousness stay here woe to these people that are doing these things and that woe i think we've talked about on the podcast Mm -hmm. before is like woe is a very loaded heavy word like cursed are these people yeah yeah death yeah like coming to them really the judgment that's coming Mm -hmm. on you because of these things and because he spends so much time on so many of these woes it's really like enoch is saying i've seen everything till the end i've told you about these weeks and the judgments that's coming i'm telling you to stick to righteousness and it's kind of like hey you know the people are like this woe to them the people mm-hmm. like this woe to them hey you are those types of people wake yeah. up arise oh sleeper yeah exactly yeah. uh i found it interesting that a lot of the woes do parallel what you see in luke mm-hmm. and also matthew and in john uh, the the wolves that Jesus gives, yeah. a lot of them are very similar. Um, and then like in Luke, uh, 
a lot of Enoch's woes relate. And you you touched on it to wealth and influence and mm-hmm. um, mammon, yeah, the false god of wealth. Um, and then there's a wide range of sins that are described from blasphemy to bearing false witness to persecution, taking vengeance. Um, dominating the woes is the charge against the rich and the powerful who oppress the weak. Uh, that's just in there so much. And I think we've talked about it, and you've, you've hit it too, just this idea of oppression. Mm-hmm. That, that's a spot in him that he just does not like when he sees people oppressing other people. And that's where within that, where I've like, it's so easy to point at the people who are more rich, who are more oppressive, who are more whatever, as like, and to a point, like, at a point, like, we're all ignorant of something. So, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to b- blame people for ignorance on a thing. But at the same time, you become aware, we should be becoming aware. Like, in America, we are the rich people, if mm-hmm. you put it to the scope of the world. Yeah. And when you look at, like, Yes, the amount of money that I have compared to other people in America, I might not be that much whatever. But when I look at like, I have quite a bit of money relative to the rest of humanity. And what do I want to do with that money? That's the big question. I want to spend it on myself and to improve my qualities of life and different stuff. And it's like, how are are those things coming to my doorstep? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the oppressive person, like I said, I don't care. I'll just pay the tax on that. I'll just pay the fee. Like mm-hmm. whatever consequences, I'm willing to pay that. I, I I can handle that. And as we've come to find out, just like over generations, like, oh, those Nikes that are getting like built in the, what do they call them, sweatshops by yeah. little kids? Got to have the fashion though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, how much do we, and again, if you're ignorant, you don't know where Nikes are coming from. Mm-hmm. But then when you become aware, it's like, oh, that's like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. So I really think to take those things into consideration and realize, I guess what I'm coming to for that is like, don't just assume that because other people are more so than you, like it is a thing of reflection to look at, oh, how do I find myself to be righteous in this situation yeah. to as much as possible? Yeah, because money isn't necessarily the bad thing. It's our pursuit of it. It's the the false God that we put ourselves thinking that this is my security. Um, and, and you see that as we pursue money, in a sense, and you've watched people pursue money, what they do to get more and more and more wealth or things. Like they step on people on the way up. They they use people on the way there. And this list of like they use slaves, they pay low wages, they withhold mm-hmm. uh, their wages, they build with materials that they got by wrong. This is all in yeah. Enoch. Uh, and then they oppress oh, the peasants. I thought you were watching the news. No, no. This is, this is all in like n- from 94 to 102. Uh, they uh, uh, they swindle them with higher taxations and they overwork them. Like these are all lists of things in this section that the wealthy do to the, to the lower people um, because it's their pursuit to have more. Like low, paying someone low wages. Like, I mean, where in America do people pay people low wages we wouldn't be a country like that or we wouldn't be people like that but no yeah we are mm-hmm. because if i pay you less i make more so i'm gonna pay you less so i can make more because i don't care about you and, and fire a bunch of people and just make you do their jobs yeah, yeah. And, and so we do this stuff to people and then we're like you, you'll read a list especially in the bible sometimes we'll read a list of things like this and think like oh man you know no one's like that anymore but it's the 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 song hasn't changed but to bring it again to the thing of like Oh, I can point to everybody else, but when I look at, and this is a thing of personal conviction, but honest 
vulnerability and openness before God is that how much do we pursue for our own selves when looking at oppression like, well, I'm not hiring on people. I'm not paying them low wages. I'm the one receiving that. Like, you know, however mm-hmm. we can look at it. But when we as Christians bring in the teachings that we're supposed to have where Jesus says, hey, care for the least of these. Are we oppressing the people that we're supposed to be caring for? As Christians, we should be caring for the least of these. First within the church and then without the church, right? Outside of, so it was like, God gave us the responsibility to be caring for people. Mm-hmm. And if I'm using the provision that God gave me not on caring for those people, am I not in a way oppressing those people? Mm-hmm. Not giving them like what is God given to be towards it? Like, you know what I yeah. mean? So that's where within a lot of these woes, I definitely think it's both sides. The church, I feel, in America is really good at pointing out that, hey, you, you are the sinner. Mm-hmm. You need salvation. You're whatever. And we're not so good at pointing to like the, hey, like honestly, it's a lot more on the political side and a lot more one side of the political side. There's like, hey, there's a lot of people in charge who are like really screwing us over here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that for the church to uh, speak truth to power and to stand up against oppression and to do it in the way that the church is supposed to be doing, I think that that's also a thing. So that's I'm trying to marry the two together yeah, within this conversation. Yeah. But I think I've also gotten somewhat away from like, we're generalizing Enoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's some more woes. Uh, the bold to commit violence. That's 103.15. Uh, they manipulate the legal system, lying in court, rendering unfair verdicts. That's 95.6. Taking bribes, 94.7. And ignoring the pleas of those who have been wronged, 103. Okay. So I actually was talking about Enoch. Yeah. I'm not generalizing. Yeah, you were general. That's yeah. why I was waiting for you to get done. Uh, there, there's also, in addition, they parade about in fine clothing. Uh, they ignore the needs of the lowly. That's 96.4. Uh, they hoard up silver and gold, acquiring uh, by unjust means. So, yeah, you're you're pretty much there. But going back to Enoch saying, like, hey, when you see the ways of the wicked, you, you stay far mm-hmm. away from those things. So it's just like, oh, if the wicked are ignoring the needs of the lowly, and I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. where you, you can start clearly defining those things. Um there's several times, though, that within these woes, you get something like 95.3. You righteous ones, fear not the sinners, for the Lord will mm-hmm. again deliver them into your hands so that you'll carry out against them anything that you desire. Um, 96.1. Be hopeful, you righteous ones, for the sinners shall soon perish from before your presence, and you shall be given authority upon them. Uh, 97.1. Be confident, you righteous ones, for the sinners are due for a shame. Right? So within this, it is, again, like, hey, righteous ones, don't be fearful, be confident, trust in God through this process. Like, it's not that, hey, whoa, 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 because even though you can be knowing that people are in sin and that that's not the right thing, I do think that for righteous people, you still need the encouragement Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, but what, what I'm seeing with my eyes yeah yeah it doesn't seem like that judgment is really coming so just like hey or it really seems like they are the ones oppressing me so what am Mm -hmm. i supposed to do here i'm kind of scared about it don't have fear right so i think that those reminders and they're also important to bring out because that's what enoch's doing yeah amidst all the woes it kind of goes back to what i was saying about the faith in times of like oppression like yeah you know i'm i'm your vengeance i'll take care of it it may not look like i'm doing it now but trust me in the long end I'm going to, so don't take vengeance into your own. Uh, there's also, I found in there, the charge against false and deceitful teaching. Mm-hmm. 
And this one I thought was interesting because it was 95 or 98, 15, and then it kind of went into 99, 1 through 2. Uh, but it talked about, um, let me see, do I have that open? No, I don't. Let me turn a page real quick. Uh, Woe to you who write down lying and godless words, for they write down their lies uh, that men may hear them and act godless towards their neighbor. Uh, therefore, they will have no peace but would die sudden death. Uh, but like this false teaching uh, sometimes is embodied in books. And I thought that was pretty cool. They're like, they're going to, sometimes they'll write it down and just kind of relaying it to today. Like, yeah, sometimes books deceive us. You know, I remember, what was it like a couple of years ago, probably longer than a couple of years ago now, The Secret. Mm-hmm. And Aaron was like, The Secret. And it was on Oprah. And it was like, this is the secret to happiness. And everyone's like, I found it. I'm going to read The Secret. And all it really did was kind of wishful thinking, mind boards and all this other stuff. And it was just like, it promoted somewhat of a good thought, but it wasn't the truth in the way to achieve those things. Um, so I guess being careful on what we read is the warning there. Side note for any Christian who is looking for the secret and who spends time reading these books, trying to advance your life in some way, statistics say you probably have not read your Bible. <laughs> Statistics say you probably haven't read it cover to cover. Statistics mm-hmm. say that you probably don't read it often. We see that our culture comes around with these things, and it's really easy to get swept up into it. Go watch the movie, read the book, have the audio book, be in all those conversations, and to look for the answer somewhere else outside of what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Just going to throw that out there. If you find yourself there, how does this thing go? If the shoe fits, kick it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do something about it. Um. Oh, wait, hold on. I get to use the Stephen D. Young thing I've always wanted to. That dog don't hunt. Mm. There it is. You know, when you're chasing after uh, just a secret or I guess trying to find peace anywhere outside of God, it's just not going to happen. And I kind of like the way that he, this portion ends it. Um, they will have no peace, mm-hmm. that, that part of the book. Because, yeah, when you're seeking after and chasing after things that isn't pushing you towards righteousness, you're not going to have peace. The dog don't hunt. Um, there's some interesting things. Again, looking at some of this and when you look at the Old Testament and what was historically written down, and then when you get into Revelation and some of the stuff that you see there is like, this seems pretty violent. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely a thing of like judgment coming down. And there does seem to be a lot of like, hey, people will die and be slaughtered mm-hmm. and things. And it's like, well, no, God is good. That stuff can't happen. That won't happen. It is a thing to be thinking through as far as what goes on in our world and mm-hmm. things like people who live by the sword will die by the sword and, you know, things of that yeah. nature to where you, it can be pretty jarring when reading some of this stuff and it's talking about, hey, the wicked being slaughtered and mm-hmm. things like that and just like, well, that doesn't seem right. It's like, well, think about it. Yeah. Pray about it. Don't, don't just go, God's love. There should, no, there should be no violence at all because of that. It's like, mm-hmm. think through it a bit. Um, beyond that, because that's in uh, 98.3, says, For this reason they're devoid of knowledge and wisdom, so that they shall perish thereby together with their goods and together with all their glory and honor. So that seems nice enough. They're just going to perish with their stuff. <laughs> it goes, Then in dishonor, in slaughter, and in great misery, their spirit shall be cast away. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that that's pretty harsh there. Yeah. How lightly we can take what it means to be living wicked and sinful mm-hmm. before a holy God. Yeah. Like you said, that, um, what's the word that you used? 
Like you're just doing a little thing. Like it's not that bad. Compromise. Compromise, yeah. right? We start kind of compromised a little bit. It's like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Pretty soon nothing's that bad. Mm-hmm. And why should anybody get in trouble for cheating on their taxes? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Whatever thing. Um, but before that, I just thought it was an interesting point. Uh, it made me laugh. Uh, 98.2. For you men shall put on more jewelry than women and more multicolored ornaments than a virgin. Hmm. It's just a weird thing when it's talking about like the wickedness and all this stuff going yeah. on. I was just like... You guys are just getting all dolled up. And it's like. <laughs> How things have not changed. Yeah. Right? And it, it's yeah. the thing of, I don't think jewelry is wrong. Even right. when in the New Testament is talking about like, oh, you women shouldn't like. Mm-hmm. It's just like, don't make that the main thing. Yeah. And when you look at, even in our world, it's just like, it's either, <laughs> we were talking about rappers. We were, that's right. Before. It was you a good look at just like, Yeah. The amount of jewelry and chains and just like, I need to put diamonds on my teeth and just like anywhere to just be all decked out and just like look at the flamboyant like clothing and fashion Mm -hmm. to keep up with and how many like are creating their own fashion brands to just promote all this stuff. It's just like, yeah, don't be distracted by that. Mm -hmm. And think about how many of our youth are just like, I want to have that. Yeah. I want to have the chains. I want to have the diamonds. I want to have, again, bring up Jordans even, like those status symbols and all this stuff. It's just like, man, that's so external and so much not the point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you said, how things haven't changed. It's like, well, wickedness is so empty, <laughs> like on the inside that you try and ornament the outside, right? Yeah, and I, I think it goes back to even what he was saying, like uh, you don't want to dip into the unrighteousness. You don't mm-hmm. want to live as the world. And we we're like, yeah, I don't do that. Like, I'm not killing anyone. I'm not oppressing anybody. I'm not paying people low wages. Like, we can look at this list of, like, almost the the rich young ruler. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've am i been doing this and this. Like, I'm not doing any of that bad stuff. And then God's like, yeah, but give me all your stuff. And you're like, oh, no. And God's like, like, what you're talking about, like, the, the men just in their drip of mm-hmm. jewelry. And it's like, but I'm showing this off and I'm I'm clothing myself in all this luxury and, and I'm pursuing it and I'm chasing it. That's not like the world. And it's like, no, that is. See, these are the little things that we sometimes think that's not the world, but we've kind of compromised or we've given in or we've kind of accepted that that's, that's just the world we live in and that's just the way we have to be. Uh, it, it's uh, the preachers with sneakers, you know, like the, the pastors getting caught on wearing thousands of dollar pairs of shoes or jackets or stuff like that. And I'm not to say that they were gifts from anybody. They could have been, I don't know, but they're getting blasted on social media. And most of them aren't even combating it and saying like, oh, it was a gift or it was this and that. And I'm pretty sure that would lead into more dumbness anyways. But the idea then to me is like, but why lather yourself up in such expensive things to begin with? Like, I mean, I wear Skechers. Like, I just do it for the memory foam. I tried a pair of shoes <laughs> on. Old man. <laughs> I tried a pair of shoes on when we were out on the road trip, and I was like, "I don't like these." And Justine's like, "Why?" I was like, "They don't have the memory foam. They they hurt my feet." So, all right. So, side note on that, like, I have a couple pairs of sneakers. I've got some Balenciagas. I've got some Gucci's that were gifts. And she's like, "Yeah, if I wear them, whatever." Just like, I, I don't know who looks at that and what that looks like. I hardly wear them because I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I'm there. Both of them are white. (laughs) That that's a mistake. Yeah. Um. Like, I should probably just sell them to somebody who desires to have them and Mm -hmm. will do that because that's not my life, and that's what I should do, right? Because 
any pastor shouldn't own anything of worth. Mm-hmm. Like, sell that. Don't own anything nice. Only me, the non-pastor Christian, can own nice things <laughs> yeah. that cost money. You, you sell it. You give your money to the poor. Um, wherever that lands. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, uh, that was a side note, but I wanted to circle back to what you were saying before that. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. And besides that, just another side note. I kind of already said it, but just to reiterate, I want to say this is probably more applicable for younger guys, younger generation in general, I guess. But pay attention to who you are paying attention to, probably on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying guys because I feel like there's a big thing in the younger generation of trying to look for male role models. There's a lot of them on YouTube. And like, look at what they are trying to get you to desire. Are they following the thing of Enoch here. And I'm saying the thing of Enoch because that's our topic. I would say as a Christian, Jesus, what he's mm-hmm. talking about, right? Are these people promoting righteousness? What a righteous life looks like? Or are they saying, hey, follow me in my lifestyle because look at all of the things that I have and you can have them too. And here's how you should treat women. And here's how you do this. And just like, there's a lot of them that you can find on YouTube. Oh, there's honestly some good people you can find on YouTube as well, because right? everything is on there. But I find that for the young guys, the things that especially take hold is just like, I would say, uh, woe unto those people. Mm. Like, Be aware of what you're trying to emulate, because yeah. a lot of it looks nice. And, oh, it would be great to be living that life. And honestly, we live in a weird system to where it's just like, we probably don't all need to be as poor as we are given that there's just so much money out mm-hmm. there. Like, yeah, there's probably ways of like, you don't need to work the system in the way that you're being worked. Yeah. But you shouldn't do it in a way that is leading to unrighteousness. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing too because uh, maybe this is an old analogy of it. And then I'm going to read 105 verse 2 and, and kind of wrap up my end. Uh, but um, like in the 90s, rap music seemed to like talk about social justice and I guess not all of them. Like That's why they killed Tupac. Yeah. Uh, but it was very little about like the party or the lifestyle. It was more like, I guess, maybe it's okay to admit it. Like one of my favorite rap songs that grew up during that time was Ice Cube's Today Was a Good Day. Didn't have to use your AK. Yeah, exactly. Right? He didn't, all this stuff. It was just like, I didn't have to live that life of oppression in a sense. Today was good. There's also other bad things that he did <laughs> that he said were just good, but... Close your ears. Yeah. Uh, the point of... And then, like, all of a sudden, this wave of, of uh, I guess, hip-hop and music changed, and it was about party, and it was about what I could uh, accumulate and the gold and all that stuff. And it, it seemed like that's then what people started wanting to emulate more and aspire to more was, like, that seems better. Um, and, and it's just that shift of, like, differences of what even a genre of music changed to once it kind of caught the eye of corporate business yep. and the greed that yep. like, oh, we can market this to then market people to buy things and chase after things. Because if your favorite person is wearing the expensive thing, you want the expensive thing. And I've been a part of that. I I bought shoes that I probably shouldn't have as a younger kid. Uh, I have a watch that I bought because Dave Grohl has it and it really wasn't that expensive. Um but I think we've all kind of fallen into that trap. And this is that warning of like, there's a compromise that sometimes you don't catch mm-hmm. because it's just part of culture. And what Enoch's really warning us is like, watch that. Keep your eyes open. And the beauty of this is that like, 
we're saying Enoch because that's the book we're in. I could go to like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, any of the Gospels. And, and some of the particulars on stuff, like, ah, that didn't really get talked yeah. about, but for the most part, it's following through. We'd have the same conversation if you we Even go back to the the lost books of the Bible. Yeah. Those... those Minor prophets. prophets yeah, yeah, they were talking on all that stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, about oppression and how you treat people, what you're going Building after. your house off of stolen yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all there. Um, but it, it's just interesting. I've really enjoyed this. Like I said, I enjoyed this section. I don't know if you got anything else before I get into 105. Yeah, I think 105 will be a good way for you to end it. But I just want to reiterate these warnings that Enoch is giving. He's like, I've seen it all. You started off with those 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, look, judgment comes. God sets things right. I'm telling you, blessed is the one who is in righteousness. And I'm telling you, woe to all these other people. And Enoch, from the perspective of, I've seen what it is to go to heaven. Remember all that weird stuff? Like, who else has done this? Mm-hmm. It's like, I have. Maybe you should pay attention. And really that thing of, we know that life on this earth is short. We know that we're going to stand before God at the judgment. And Enoch just again and again saying, like, that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. And I think for us to remember is whether or not we see judgment come upon our individual culture and area for the sins, because God is patient, right? And we might be able to live through a lot of stuff and never see it come down, but it will come down. And we don't know when that will be. And it's really dangerous to be like, no, I can keep going with culture because everything's fine. Just like... You, you think about that cartoon character who's running and like they're running and they keep running even when they're off the cliff and then they realize that they're off the cliff and then they're dropping, right? And I think that that's a, the danger of culture. Culture is like, run with us, run with us, run with us. And it's just like ooh, how blind you become spiritually when you're just running with culture that mm. you don't know when you've ran out a road. Yeah. And if you've gone off the cliff and you think like, I should still be safe. It's like, no, that's dumb. Yeah. That's foolishness. So whether you're seeing that kind of judgment come in your lifetime here on earth to you personally or to the culture, for sure you're going to stand before the judge. And I'm going to join with Enoch in saying, like, if you're listening to this, find righteousness. Find Mm -hmm. out what that is to walk a righteous life. Hint, it's Jesus. It's following him and his teachings. That's what it looks like to make it through this thing is like submit to Jesus's teachings, be obedient to them. It is the path forward. There's all of the blessings that are there. There's all the protections that are there. You'll go through trials, but even that is for your good because it's just like God's getting all the bad stuff out. So I just wanted to reiterate, like, that's what I see out of this whole thing is like, there's a huge reason for it. And it's because we are going to stand before the judge. Yeah. And that seems to be the theme of Enoch from like the beginning to even this point like judgment is real and it's coming yeah even hits on like hey even those spiritual guys yeah for them too coming for them they get their own week all right uh 105 verse 2 says uh for my son and i will be united with them forever in the pass of uprightness in their lives and you will have peace rejoice you children of uprightness amen and i really love that because in my translation my son is capitalized And so we're getting again this Messiah, this coming king, this conquering hero who will come in and bring peace and righteousness to everyone. And it's victory. And we could have went to 108, which is the end, but we'll save that for next week. It's a fun story about the birth of Noah and Mm kind of crazy. Um, That's all I got. 
Next week we finish Enoch. You've been saying that since the beginning. No, but this one's real. <laughs> this one, we got we could get through three ver- chapters and do a conclusion. We're gonna wrap it up with our thoughts on Enoch in a whole. And um, if you're wondering about the question of whether we think it should be in the Bible or not, we'll give that answer. See you next time. See you. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Chris. I'm Yerdo. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.